Welcome to our weekly podcast and Happy New Year. Today, I'm so excited because we're kicking off a brand new message series called 31 Days of Prayer. Throughout the month of January, we're going to talk about how we can grow in our prayer lives, and we'll be participating in a 31-day prayer challenge as a church family. Our prayer focus over the next 31 days will be for our youth ministry. As you know, we've been in the process of hiring a full-time youth minister for a few months now. We have a great group of volunteers who are serving on our search team, and we've interviewed some solid candidates. But we're being intentional and prayerful about who we hire for this position. We know that God has the right person in mind, and that he's going to bring him to OCC when the time is right. In the meantime, we want to get the rest of our church family involved by praying for this individual, praying for our students, and praying for our community. You can access our weekly bulletin online. And in our weekly bulletin each week, you'll find a prayer guide. Uh, This week, for week one, our prayer focus is for our future youth minister. And then for week two, our prayer focus is for our students. Um, Each week, we'll have a different prayer focus that directly relates to our youth ministry. So I want to invite you to go on this journey with me over the next 31 days. We'd like to get our entire church family involved. It's that important. Well, if you had to summarize prayer in no more than a sentence, what would you say? Hundreds, if not thousands of books have been written addressing this very question, what is prayer? I've heard prayer summarized as a partnership with God. I think that's a pretty good summary. I've heard it summarized as a tool that draws us closer to God. You know, prayer helps us grow in our relationship with God. I think that's right on. And I've heard prayer summarized as a gift from God that's meant to be our first line of offense. While all of these are good definitions and good summaries, at its core, prayer is simply communicating with God. I heard a great story this past week about a pastor who moved to a new church and a new community. He learned that one of the members from the church wasn't able to come and worship in person because she was busy caring for her father who was terminally ill. So the pastor decided to go visit the family at their home. And when he arrived, he said to the woman's father, I guess you were expecting me because you have an empty chair next to the bed. The man smiled and said, Pastor, close the door so my daughter doesn't hear us talking and I'll tell you about this chair. He went on to say, I've always wanted to pray, but for many years, I didn't know how. A few years ago, my friend said to me, prayer is just talking with God. Here's what you should do. Put an empty chair in front of you and just imagine that Jesus is sitting in the chair. It's not spooky or anything because Jesus promised that he would always be with us. Then just talk to him like you're talking to me right now. I took my friend's advice and since then, whenever I pray, I just talk to Jesus as if he was sitting right there in that chair. I'm really careful about not praying too loud because my daughter doesn't know that I do this. And if she found out, I think she'd send me away for sure. Well, after they prayed together, the pastor left. Two days later, the man's daughter called to let the church know that her dad had passed away. She said, before I left the house around two o'clock, he called me over to his bedside, told me one of his cheesy jokes, and then kissed me on the cheek. When I got home from the store, I found that he'd passed away. But there was something strange. Before he had died, he leaned over to rest his head on the chair beside his bed. And that's how I found him, resting his head on his empty chair. The young pastor knew that the chair wasn't empty. 
And the old man had been welcomed by his Savior into his forever home. A Savior that he knew well enough that he could talk with him as if he was sitting in the chair right in front of him. Well, friends, that's what prayer is all about. At its core, prayer is simply communicating with God. Prayer is meant to be a conversation, just like talking to a friend who's sitting right in front of you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 reminds us that we can talk with God as though he's sitting right in front of us. Listen to these words. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Prayer is an amazing gift that God has given us, and we can come to him boldly or with confidence because he's our heavenly father, because he's our counselor and our friend. As you grow in your relationship with God, your prayer life will grow as well. In fact, a a growing prayer life is meant to be a natural byproduct of a growing relationship with God. So today, I want to share three practical steps that will help you grow in your prayer life. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first step, warm up in the word. Warm up in the word. In Luke chapter 24, we learn about how the resurrected Jesus appeared to two of his followers who were walking to the village of Emmaus. Emmaus is a small village that's located about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. So this wasn't a short stroll. It was a journey for these two. On their walk, these two men were talking about everything that had happened to Jesus. As they were talking about the events that had taken place just three days earlier, Jesus started walking alongside them, but they didn't recognize him at first. Jesus asked the men what they were talking about. And God's word tells us that with sadness written across their faces, they started having a conversation with Jesus. They explained everything that had happened and how they'd hoped that Jesus was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. There were even reports that they had heard from some of the women who also followed Jesus that the tomb was empty and how they'd heard from angels that Jesus was in fact alive. Luke 24 Verses 25 through 27, this is what we read. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So we learn here that Jesus spent a lot of time with these men, walking them through the Old Testament, explaining how all of God's word is in fact about the Messiah. It's all about Jesus. After spending the afternoon with the resurrected Lord, having heard all of these things, this was their response in verse 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Jesus explained the scriptures to them, which opened their eyes and opened their hearts to the truth. In a very real way, it warmed them up to be able to recognize the truth. Now, we all understand the importance of doing warm-ups before we exercise. Even if it's just stretching, there are things that we do to get the body ready for running, for lifting, or any other kind of exercise. Well, sometimes we need to warm up before we pray. And one of the best ways to warm up is by reading God's word. Prayer can be hard at times. In his book entitled Prayer, Tim Keller wrote, I can think of nothing great that is also easy. Prayer must be, then, one of the hardest things in the world. 
And to admit that prayer is very hard, however, can be encouraging. If you struggle greatly in this, you're not alone. Friends, if you struggle with prayer, this is a great reminder that you're not alone. I've confessed several times in several messages that prayer doesn't always come easy for me. As someone who has a wandering mind, that just means it's hard for me to focus on one thing for an extended period of time. Now, this first step, warming up in the Word, this has been so helpful for me. Warming up in the Word gets my mind and my heart focused on the right things before I pray. Now, please understand, we can and should pray about anything. That's one of the wonderful things about prayer. But when you want to pray and you find that your schedule is really busy, or that you're too distracted, or you simply don't know what to pray, carving out some intentional time to read God's Word as a warm-up That's going to help get your mind and your heart prepared in the right way. The two men who were walking on the road to Emmaus, they were able to connect with God because they warmed up in the word. God's word warms us up to connect with him because the word is all about him. When we read it, we're reminded about the promises, the greatness, and the glory of God. For example, when we read the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, We read about men and women who prayed, who pleaded, and even wrestled with God. I mean, talk about how prayer can be hard. When Jacob prayed one night, he ended up wrestling with God, and he walked away with a lifelong limp that reminded him about his experience. When we read the books of wisdom and poetry in the Old Testament, so Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs, we learn how to apply God's word to our daily lives. When we read through the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we learn about the birth, life, and ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We learn that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah that all the Old Testament prophets wrote about hundreds of years before he was born. When we read the various letters in the New Testament, so Paul's letters to the churches, we're encouraged and we're challenged in our faith. We learn about how the church is the bride of Christ and how we're all invited to participate in God's mission of reaching the lost and making disciples. So when we read God's word, it has a way of warming us up to connect with God because the Bible is all about him. Martin Luther once said that we must never get beyond God's words in the Bible or we can't know who we're conversing with. If you want to grow in your prayer life, spend some intentional time warming up in the word. I'd like to use the first six verses of Psalm chapter one as an example of how reading God's word can warm us up to pray. So Psalm chapter one, beginning in verse one, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction." You know, reading through the Psalms or the Proverbs, that's a great way to warm up in the word. As I started reading this particular Psalm, the word blessed is what stood out to me. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. 
I want to be on the receiving end of God's blessing and his favor in my life. Well, this psalm begins by saying, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. When I read this, I immediately start to do some self-evaluation. You know, how am I doing in my walk with Christ? How has my attitude been towards my spouse and my kids? I know that if I haven't had a Christ-like attitude, that won't bring God's blessing in my life in more ways than one. Well, then we get to verse 6, which says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. When we read God's word, really letting it soak in, it warms us up to pray. After reading this psalm, I know that I need to pray about my attitude and about my leadership in the home. I know that I need God's wisdom if I'm going to model a Christ-like attitude and lifestyle for my family and for others. I'd like to illustrate this first step in another way. So on Sunday, I'm going to bring some shaving supplies with me. A few years ago, my wife bought me a shaving brush, a safety razor that's weighted, it's really nice, and some shaving soap for Christmas. I don't remember what I was using before this, but I'm pretty sure it was terrible. It was no good at all. Now, when I first got the brush and the soap, um, I would run the brush under cold water before lathering it up with the soap and then putting it on my face. And to be completely honest, I thought the experience would be a lot better than what it was because of how expensive all this stuff is. Now, the razor cut just fine, but it wasn't that great of an experience. I think because of the cold water, the razor would drag on my face. It wasn't that great. Now, when I learned that the brush works best with warm water or hot water, that was a complete game changer. See, when you put the brush under hot water before lathering it up in the soap, it feels so good on your face. And not only that, but the razor just glides across your skin. I mean, who knew there was more to shaving than what meets the eye? In fact, there's a whole community of men out there who review beard products on YouTube. They also share tips about how to get the most out of your shaving experience. It's kind of amazing. So to the men who are listening into the podcast this week, if your uh, shaving experience has been less than satisfactory, check out YouTube. There's some good stuff out there. I think this is a good illustration for helping us understand this first step. You can pray anytime and anywhere, but when you take the time to warm up in the Word, prayer not only becomes easier, it's also more enjoyable and more satisfying because you're allowing God's Word to speak to you before you bring your requests to God. I would say if you're stuck in a rut when it comes to prayer, Try warming up in the Word. You don't have to spend hours preparing to pray. Simply open up the Word, read for a few minutes, and then pray about whatever's on your heart and whatever's on your mind. So warm up in the Word. Step number two, develop a dependable habit. Develop a dependable habit. Now when you hear that word habit, sometimes that can have a negative connotation with it. We think habits and we think bad habits, but there's also a lot of really good habits Prayer is meant to be an important spiritual discipline or habit that we have in our lives. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, this is what David wrote. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. So for David and for many people, the morning is an ideal time to pray because that's when our minds are less polluted with the problems that tend to pile up throughout the day. And prayer is meant to be a daily discipline. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul wrote, 
Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That's impossible to pray 24-7 without stopping. And that's not what Paul was suggesting when he wrote to the Christians in Thessalonica. He was writing about how our joys, our prayers, and our gratitude shouldn't fluctuate based on our circumstances. See, as followers of Christ, our joy is found in Jesus. It's a kind of joy that the world can't take away. As Christians, prayer is really meant to be an ongoing conversation with God that happens throughout the day. And there's always a reason or several reasons to be grateful and to give thanks to God. David's example in Psalm 5 is a reminder about how important it is to have time carved out each and every day to connect with God through prayer. If we're not careful, the day can get away from us pretty quickly. In 1535, Martin Luther wrote A Simple Way to Pray, a letter to his barber, Peter Beskendorf. Now, his instruction on prayer in this short book or letter is still applicable to our lives today. He originally wrote it as a letter to his barber, a guy by the name of Peter. And Peter was a godly but flawed man. Once, while he was intoxicated, he actually stabbed his son-in-law to death. Now, Luther intervened to have him exiled rather than executed because of his crime. And Peter ended up taking this letter with him into exile. Here are a few takeaways from the introduction of this letter, A Simple Way to Pray. Number one, Martin Luther suggests that prayer should be a daily habit. Let it be the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing that you do at night. So I want to encourage you to begin each day over the next 31 days in the Word and in prayer. You can use the prayer guide that we've given you to help get you started each day. Luther also suggests that we should pray whether we feel like it or not. You know, sometimes you're not going to feel like praying. This isn't uncommon. In his book on prayer, Tim Keller wrote that it begins as duty, which can feel empty, lifeless, and ineffective. But when we stick with it, it becomes delight. All the right disciplines are hard, but they're worth it. So decide today that you're going to pray whether you feel like it or not. And then finally, he suggests that we should meditate on Scripture before we pray. And this goes back to our first step of warming up in the Word. I can't stress enough how important this step is. If you're a new believer, or if you're someone who struggles with prayer, just like I do, make sure you warm up in the Word. Meditate on Scripture before you pray. One step when it comes to growing in prayer is developing a dependable habit. And for many of you, uh, the morning is the best time because your mind is awake And you want to allow God to speak to you before you speak to others. But if the morning isn't the best time, pick another time throughout the day that works best for you. Remove the distractions and spend some intentional time with God in his word and in prayer. Well, the third and final step for today is this. Pray strategic prayers. Pray strategic prayers. So if you already have a dependable habit for prayer, then it's time to take the next step. This step is all about learning how to pray strategic or kingdom prayers. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. There's nothing wrong about praying for personal needs. I mean, Jesus instructs us to do this in the Lord's Prayer, which is a great model for prayer. 
Give us this day our daily bread. But far too often, I fear that our prayers are nothing more than shallow prayers for our own personal needs. The trips that we take with friends and family. You know, hoping that our football team wins over the weekend. Or prayers for illness. Things like that. Again, we can and should pray about everything. And that includes personal needs. But this shouldn't be the only thing that we pray about. It's also common for us to give rapid-fire prayers just before we eat a meal or if we recognize a need in someone else's life. Again, we can and should pray about anything, but our focus as Christians shouldn't primarily be on this life and the problems that we face. Paul instructs us to set our sights on eternal things and to think about heaven, not the things of earth. I like to call this step praying strategic or kingdom prayers. Praying strategic prayers. This means praying about kingdom things. So God's purpose and God's mission. It's praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's praying for God to raise up pastors, missionaries, and that he would use his church to bring the hope of Jesus to the places around the world that need hope the most. It's praying that our own sons and daughters, that our grandchildren would grow up to know and serve the Lord with their lives. Strategic prayers aren't rapid-fire prayers, but instead require us to sit down and to think more deeply about what we're asking God to do. Again, our weekly prayer guide is designed to help us pray strategic or kingdom prayers. We're boldly praying for the next generation, that they would grow up to know and serve the Lord. We're praying for God's church here at OCC to have a lasting impact on this community and around the world. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. As followers of Jesus, our prayers are powerful and effective, not because of the one praying, but because of the one to whom we pray. As you continue to grow in your walk with Christ, God wants to help you grow in your prayer life as well. This is meant to be a natural byproduct of a growing and thriving relationship with Jesus. So three important steps that you can take over the next several weeks. Steps that will help you grow in your prayer life. Number one, warm up in the word. Number two, develop a dependable habit. And three, pray strategic prayers or kingdom prayers. Church family, I'm so excited to go on this 31-day prayer journey with you this month. I can't wait to see what God does.